Well, good morning and welcome to Toronto City Church and thanks to all the team that is making this possible so we can get together with you at your home celebrating that we are all a church family, that we are a family in Christ. Uh, today I have uh, the privilege of starting a new sermon series called He Shall Be Called. And this is part of our journey, a journey that we've been uh, in our church with Pastor Brandon leading the way. In getting to know God and understanding that we are to making Him known. And uh, the scripture that we are going to be um, around uh, most of the time comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Where it says that, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And uh, this first sermon uh, of the series I have entitled uh, Prepare the Way of the Lord. It's not all about pavement. And as always, I would like to start with a little bit of a story. And this is a story that is told about a man who found out that he was going to be uh, going to heaven soon. So he asked the Lord if he could bring just one thing. And the Lord said, uh, nope, you can't. Finally, after many times that he was insisting, the Lord said, okay, you can bring only one thing. So happily, the man went and he packed his suitcase full of gold. When he arrived in heaven, the angel at the door said, sorry, sir, but you cannot bring this in here. He said, but the Lord said I could. Okay, they said. So, uh, by the way, can we check what's in there? Sure. The man opened the bag and they looked in and the angel said, oh. It is just pavement and therefore the title and and we are uh, starting uh, to get prepared for the celebration of Christmas one of the biggest celebrations in our Christian faith uh, other than uh, Holy Week and possible Thanksgiving and and these are times that through the years the church have used to reflect in a journey uh, and in our own journey our personal journey with God so today, uh, I want to do the same. Uh, there are different worldviews and different ways that people look at Christmas. Uh, many people, they say that it's a celebration of Jesus' birth. Uh, but I would like to bring us into a little bit of a different understanding of this. And to me, yes, it's the celebration of Jesus' birth, but it's even more the celebration or the remembrance that heaven came down to earth. It broke into our lives. And as John the Baptist said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is within our reach. And therefore, we need to repent and move on towards the plan that God has for us. So what's Christmas for many people? Many people talk uh, and they say it's a time of joy. It is a time of family. It is a time of being close to one another in the relationships that we have in our lives. It is a time of trees. It is a time of lights for all Canadians. Uh, it is a time of snow, my favorite time of the year. But it is also a time to get close to those we have not seen or heard from in a while. For other people, it is a time of Christmas cards. It is a time of shopping. It is a time of gifting one another and resting from work. And though many other traditions and faiths and religions don't celebrate the same that we do, it is a time overall for celebration. But the question that I have for you today is, 
what is Christmas for you? What is your understanding? And not only your understanding, but the way that you are living this season. How is it that this celebration, remembering that Jesus came to our world, is changing your life? So before we start, let us uh, lay down this time before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives, for the opportunity that you give us to be here together, Lord, as a family, gathered around your presence, around your throne. And as your word is being preached today, Father, I pray that you will give us understanding and revelation. And that the words that you have for us today, for, for us today will be words that will change our lives, that it will transform them, that we will become more like you. So we thank you, Father, for the impartation that you're about to do. May your Holy Spirit speak into our lives, words of life, that will change us forever. That's our faith, Father, and that's our prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement at home says, Amen and Amen. So from this, uh, the church has celebrated through the years uh, what we call the celebration of Advent. And if there are two times in the year that I would say that should be really impactful in the way that we begin to assess our own journey, we got our the Holy Week, celebration of Jesus dying at the cross for our salvation. And of course, before that, the celebration of Christmas, his birth. Uh, and these should be times of preparation. Every time that that we are planning or doing something, we need to prepare, even if it's a meal, if it's vacation. Uh, these are things that require us for us to prepare before, to, to plan ahead of time so we can get to the destination or, or, or to get whatever that we want. And Christmas preparation began already in many places. We have seen decorations are being set, trees are being adorned, lights are being hung, and family gatherings and group celebrations are being scheduled. But what about our hearts being prepared? Do we need to prepare our hearts to celebrate that Jesus came one day into our lives? What is, as I mentioned before, our understanding of this season? Even more, how the celebration of this season is or should change us. And, and today I want us to go to a little bit of a journey into how we got to this point of the celebration of Christmas. And as every story has a beginning, and definitely we need to go back to the beginning of the story, and the beginning is the story of creation. And in the book of Genesis, we find in, in at the end of chapter 1, and God saw that he made everything that he made, and it was very good. And there was the evening, and there was the morning, the sixth day, and on the seventh day he rested. Everything that he had created was indeed very good. That's what the word here is saying. And I believe that it was so. However, just a chapter after, and we don't know what was the length of time for these events to happen, we find that men fell into disobedience, fell into sin, uh, of course, because it was tempted, it was led there by the serpent, by the enemy himself. The thing is that God had a plan from the beginning, and this plan was 
to be in relationship, in intimate relationship with his creation, but even more with us as human beings, because it is us to carry that particularity that we were created to the image and likeness of our creator. And this is something that we need to keep in mind that he wants to bring us back to that original intent. Therefore, on chapter 3, we're going to read that he himself, he presented us with what I would say is the first prophetic word of the victory over death, the victory over sin, the victory over the enemy. And on verse 15, we read, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He is now speaking to the serpent. And he's saying, and I will put an enmity between you and your offspring. And her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And in a way, this was a prophetic word about the coming of Messiah, the coming of this Savior to give his life for us to have a final victory over what we have caused. Now, it's interesting that there is a couple of dynamics that are happening here because once men fall into sin, this affected the whole creation. And God's work in redemption is not only the redemption of man and the restoration of man, but also of the whole creation. In Titus 2, uh, verse 11, Paul talks to Titus and this is what he says, For the grace of God, the gift of God, this gift that was Jesus, has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. And this is the plan of God. When he sent Jesus into the world, he had a mission. The mission was die for the redemption of the world. And the word redemption means to pay, to, to, to pay so we can get back. Basically, if you had a debt and you pay for a ransom, then you will be free from that ransom and whatever is it that you owe will be forgiven and it will be into the possession of the rightful owner at the beginning. Now, this is a transaction that happened. The rightful owner of our lives is God. When we fell into sin, our lives changed ownership. However, God paid the price for that ownership. And he bought us back onto him. And as part of the process, he wants to restore us. He wants to place us back into that original intent that he had. And in the book of Acts, the evangelist Luke writes this, After this, I will return, and he will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. This is Acts chapter 15, verse 16. And I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. And he was here making reference to an old prophecy from the book of Amos, from the prophet Amos. And you guys can uh, look for the references, uh, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. But the key scripture that I want us to start pondering on is how this story began to be developed. 
And then we find that another key person in, in this whole passage of the promise and, and, and the gift that was coming to us was Abraham. Abraham. And in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, we'll find this. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this was speaking to us about the promise and the coming of Messiah. For Abraham was promised a son. But more than a son, he was promised that there was a special blessing for all the families of the earth. And the only way that we become aware after the, the, the time has passed is that the promise was Jesus coming. And when the Apostle Paul talks about the seed of Abraham, he doesn't talk about the seeds, but only one person. And this was the promise of Messiah. And one of the things that we understand from this scripture in Genesis 12 is that our faith has greater impact in outreaching to others. Our journey of getting to the place of salvation is not about our personal salvation, but how this event, how this transition from sin into the holiness of God is going to affect other people's lives. And many times I don't think that we measure the reach of our faith how we live our life, our Christian life will have a great impact into the lives of those who are around us. Paul reminds us of this in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 27 to 29. And he says, as heirs of Abraham, we are heirs of the same promise. As we have been baptized in Christ, we have put on Christ. Therefore, our lives should be an example of the faith that we profess. And at the time of salvation, we have made Christ the center of our lives. But we have made not only our Savior, but our Lord, our King. We have become His servants. And the privilege that He has given us is to be called not only servants, but friends. Not only friends, but children of the Almighty. This should be reflected in the way that we live our lives. And as we go into this journey of preparation to celebrate Christmas, I believe that is worth for us to pause for a moment and ask ourselves if we are living the message of Christmas. Church, Christmas, it's a time where we celebrate the kingdom of heaven has come to us. God himself has approached us and it is within the reach and the invitation for us from the message of John the Baptist that was the same message of Jesus is that it is time to repent. It is time to change our ways and to bring our focus back into God and his plan for our lives. To bring glory to him. And, and we're living in times where the church has been challenged in the message of Christmas. And I think that this is a time where the church needs to rise to the calling that God has placed on us. I think that these are times where we need to encounter what is the true purpose and the meaning of Christmas. And, and that's my encouragement for you, that as we navigate today through these scriptures and the ones that are coming, that we will reflect, that we will posture ourselves in such a way that God can work through our lives and make his name known unto others. That's our job. 
Some of the key messianic uh, prophetic words come from the book of Isaiah. And one of my favorite things to do uh, during the Christmas season, and it, it has become a family tradition, and hopefully we can get to do it today, even with the many challenges that we face, is that we go and we listen to, to Messiah, uh, this oratory uh, by uh, Frederick Handel. And, and, and he is heavily inspired by the different messianic prophecies that come from the book of Isaiah. And, and I want to take you for some of this journey that, that Isaiah came into his own life. Uh, so I want us to start by reading uh, the first uh, chapter of uh, Isaiah. And, and this is what it says uh, at the beginning. This is the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2 reads, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children, have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox known its owner and the donkey its master's grief. But Israel, Israel does not know. My people do not understand. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord and they have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly strange. And I believe that this beginning of the book of Isaiah is speaking even of the season that we are living today in. The world has been covered by darkness. As, as we reflect on the role of the church in, in different places, we see that, that this is diminishing. We have seen changes. We have seen changes in attendance. We have been seeing changes in, in, in testimony, in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we are affecting the different circles and the different uh, areas of, of our lives, culture, politics, uh, economy, like all these things should, should have uh, a nuance of what God is trying to redeem. In, in these different circles, but it's not the case. Earth has been covered once again by darkness. I don't think that, that this season of COVID is strange to this same effect. And, and many people had departed from God. And if there is something that I believe that in this season is going to make the difference in what's going on is us once again, bending our knees and approaching the throne of God in humbleness, in repentance, understanding that the solution to what we face today is in Him. Amen? And this was a challenge for, for uh, in the days of Isaiah. We see that people is rebelling. Even the people of God was rebelling. So if we were going to change this into a different language, we can say the church has rebelled against its God. And this is something very grave in the eyes of God, that his people, the people that he has called by his name, have departed from the faith that he has given us. 
This is not strange. The emphasis here that we that we see in in this uh, first portion of the scripture, we can find it on verse three, and it's something that what Pastor Brendan has been teaching us during this season with regards of. Uh, getting to know God and the different nuances of God's personality. And, and it says, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master. And I wonder, do we really know God? Because many times hearing about God, believing about God, knowing of God is not the same of knowing God. There are two different Greek words that are used uh, to translate the word know. And, and one of them is just knowing as, as the Logos word, knowing as something that we acquire, some information. And the second word, it's more of an intimate relationship. It's more of an intimate uh, understanding of who the other person is. And that's God's invitation that we get to know him. But here we see that even the people of Israel, same as nowadays, the church have departed from God. And God's invitation continually is confess your sin, repent of it. It needs to be an inner change. It needs to be not a confirmation to the world, but a transformation according to the word. And we all have heard that scripture. Later on, as we continue this journey, we move to uh, chapter 6. And in chapter 6, we have a different thing here. Isaiah is having a vision. This is not only about what the people is doing. This is not only about what those that are out there of our church are doing. It's not what those within our church are doing, but it's more on a personal level. And once again, at this point, Isaiah is having an encounter with God. He's having a vision. And in chapter 6, we get to read this. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up a throne, upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, which uh, two they covered their faces, with two they covered his feet, and with two they flew. And one called to one another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is Isaiah in the presence of the magnificence of the glory of God. God himself has visited, has called him into this encounter. And when he has this encounter, Isaiah needed to posture himself uh, according, accordingly, uh, in, in the proper way, with the proper reverence. And this is something that many times we don't understand, that every time that we had an encounter with God himself, that every time that we had an encounter with the word, we need to posture ourselves and respond according to what God is desiring to change in our lives. This was something that even Isaiah as a prophet had to go through. So he is in this encounter and when he faces God's glory, this is his answer. Oh, it's me, says in verse 5. For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I'm not sure what's our approach every time that we come before God's presence. If we really acknowledge who we are and who we have been called to become. 
And, and as Isaiah is having this encounter, we see that on verse 6, one of the seraphims flows, uh, flies to him, having in his hand a burning coal and, and taking from the tongues of the altar. And this is what happens. He touches Isaiah's mouth and what he said is, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Every time that we have an encounter with God, we should reflect about our lives. We should reflect about the way that we are living our faith. Because it is not enough, and this is something that we are going to read in, in a little bit. This is not about us pretending. This is about a real transformation. This is about a real move of God in our lives. Why am I saying this? It's because we get to see that Isaiah is having a reaction here. He's responding to God and his response is not only about, okay, God has taken my sin and now what? Because when the verses after we get to read this, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And this is the question that God, I believe, is asking us every single morning. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a servant leader within the house. It doesn't matter if you're just an attendee. The invitation for all of us is the same. Who shall I send? Who am I going to send into the world to share the message of the gospel? Who am I going to send to share this message of hope? This message of love that not everything is lost. And Isaiah, in his proper posture, he says, Here I am, send me. Send me. Church, we are people on mission. We are people that has been called with a plan and a purpose, with a mission. And the mission is to bring this message of hope. In chapter 7, we get to find that the king of Israel is in cahoots with the king of Assyria and they are trying to overcome the king of Judah, which is the house of David. And, and King Ahaz was a person that was not necessarily transformed in the sense of what we're talking about here. He was pretending that he was following God. He was pretending different things. And therefore, the word of God comes here to, the, to King Ahaz. And, and he's not fully believing what, what uh, the prophet Isaiah is saying. And God speaks to him directly in a way. And he says, okay, this is the Lord speaking to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God, and let it be deep as Sheol, or as high as heaven. In other words, what God is saying to Ahaz is, ask for a sign that will be impossible for mankind to understand or see. This has to be something extraordinary, something supernatural. And of course, Ahaz on his own belief says, no, I don't think that I'm going to test the Lord in what he's saying. Therefore, inside, God knew what was happening. And many times the call in this season is, okay, are we standing in our faith? Are we really believing to the promises of God in his word? Are we really believing that he is in control even in the midst of everything that is happening in our lives right now? And this is a time where God, once again, through the voice of Isaiah, repeats, and this is what he says. The Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
God was bringing the circle to completion. And when we heard at the beginning, the promise of Messiah is about to begin to happen. It's been a time of preparation. It's been a time of revelation. It's been a time of understanding. And now the time has come where the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was visiting us himself. God with us. It was not, as many would say, a human being that was coming, just a mere human being. It was God himself, for Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully divine. He didn't use his divinity towards his advantage, as many may believe. But he came as a humble person, born in a manger, this is not a king that people was expecting. Once again, we, we may assume that heaven is a different reality, that we get to heaven because of things that we do, that we get to heaven bringing uh, the things that we accumulate here on earth. This is not the way. And the people of Israel was pretending that for the longest. And the only answer that God has to bring to fulfillment the promise that he was going to not only redeem us, but to bring us back to him was the birth of, of, of Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. There will be a sign, a baby born of a virgin. The enmity between the seed of man, the seed of God, and the enemy. This little boy, according to Isaiah, was coming with a mission. And that's the mission that we find in, 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 in chapter 9 and, and goes back to, to the verse that we are going to be exploring during these next few weeks. For to us, a child is born. This is the message of the gospel. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be put upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and upon, uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And that's the very promise of God. But as we've been exploring today, it is a time of preparation. It is a time of reflection. And for all of those who this is the first time that you hear this message, it is a time of hope. All the desperation, all the things that you're wondering about life, the answer is in Him. It is in our King of kings and Lord of lords. It is in Jesus Himself, the Son of God and God Himself. Once we begin to know Him as we've been doing during the past weeks, once we will continue to know Him as we will do in the next few weeks, we will be able to make Him known unto others. And in the same way that our faith has been built, we will be able to impact the fate of others. So if this is the first time that you hear this message, this is a, a, a clear opportunity for us to once again, to repent of our own ways and to surrender our lives to God. 
And I want to lead you in prayer as we bring this message to a close, because I believe this is at the core of the message of Christmas, that we understand that, yes, there is celebration because one day Jesus was born. But Jesus was born not as a baby, but as a king that had a purpose to redeem us and to restore us back into relationship with God. Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this word and for the opportunity that day after day you give us to be in your presence and to be at peace with you. For this, Father, we pray, Lord, that you will forgive us of all our sins. And for those, Father, that they are making this prayer for the first time, I pray, Lord, that you will guide them to you. And as they surrender their lives to you, that salvation will come, that revelation will continue to flow, and that we will prepare our hearts for your second coming. Help us to continue in this journey, Father, as we know you and as we make you known. I thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation that came to us through the life of Jesus. For this we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen and amen. So today is first Sunday of the month. We didn't have the, the message of uh, healing as we usually do. But this is also a time where we can come and celebrate communion. That we can all, that we are sorry, that we are all invited to sit at the table with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So as you prepare the elements, we'll be back in a few minutes. Well, welcome back and let's be all ready to celebrate communion together. And once again, communion is a celebration that is not only a tradition. What we believe is that this is uh, something that will empower us as we continue this journey with God. For when we sit at the table, we, we, we come with this understanding that we are... Uh, repenting of our lifestyle, that we are being transformed by God as we receive this empowerment that comes when we sit at the table with God. And the scripture that I want to bring to you is, uh, once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this is the scripture that most of the time we use. And this is what it reads from verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But the thing is that Paul doesn't stop here and then we all partake communion. He brings a warning with this event, with this invitation that we have from God. And this is what he continues saying. 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And before we take communion together, I'm just going to invite you to bow your head wherever you are. And if there is something that you need to make straight before God in your life, you will take this time to do so. For this is the invitation. Something supernatural is about to happen. We are going to celebrate once again uh, uh, as partakers, as Paul is saying, of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. This is what caused us to be in victory in God, in His presence. This is what is empowering us to overcome the world that we are in communion with Him. For we have been buried in His death, but also we have come in the power of the resurrection. And every time that we have communion, this is the exchange that we should be doing. We lay down our lives before Him, and He empowers us with His resurrection. So I'm going to invite you to wherever you are to bow your head for a minute. Let's reflect on the things that we have done, the things that we have not done. Ask for forgiveness, and let's receive the grace that He has given us through His broken body and His shed blood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for it is in the power that we receive through communion, Lord, that we are reminded that we have victory in you. And as we partake of the elements, Father, remind us that it is your broken body and your shared blood that have redeemed us, Father, from the course of the law and have restored us to you. So we ask, Father, that as we partake of these elements, that a supernatural exchange will happen in our lives. That as we are being forgiven, Father, we will understand that we are being empowered to live in the victory that you have given us, free from sin, free from God, free from shame. I thank you, Father, for your broken body, for your shared blood. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all partake. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had, Lord, to share the table with you and with each other. For as we celebrate, we are all united in the same 
spirit. And I thank you, Father, for what you have done in our lives in this Sunday. As we bring this service to a close, Father, I pray, as always, that you will be a blessing to us, but at the same time that we will be a blessing unto others. Help us, Father, to be witnesses and good ambassadors of the good news of the gospel. And as we prepare, Lord, to once again commemorate that you came and broke into our lives and your kingdom has come, Lord, that this will be a season of change, Father, a season of restoration, a season, Father, where in the midst of our gatherings we get to celebrate you as the center of our lives. I thank you for this magnificent opportunity, Father, and I pray for your blessing to be upon each and every person that is watching us right now in their households. Thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing in our lives. We bless you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement says amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for joining us. I'm giving this back to the team. Ciao, ciao. Until next time, be blessed.